Hello and welcome to the latest RegMedNet podcast. This episode is part of our focus on self-therapy development. My guest today is Ankita Desai, who's a bioprocess field application specialist at Eppendorf. Ankita was a clinical scientist at Pfizer and a research associate at Lonza before joining Eppendorf, where she contributes to the development of healthcare through supporting her customers. Ankita, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you, Freya. Thank you for having me. So our first question, how abundant are stem cells in the body and how many could be required for a dose of cell therapy? Uh, so stem cell population in the human body is limited. Uh, for example, there is one MSC or a mesenchymal stem cell per 10,000 bone marrow mononuclear cells. Uh, due to this limited number of stem cells in the body, any stem cell therapy usually requires a scale-up step in which these cells are expanded in vitro to obtain the amounts required for a therapeutic dose. So depending on the therapeutic application, a required dose of cell therapy could be anywhere between um, 1E5 to 1E10 cells per treatment dose per patient. And why is it so difficult to scale up stem cells? So despite uh, all the advantages that stem cells offer, uh, scaling up stem cells could be challenging due to two reasons. First of all, due to spontaneous differentiation. Uh, These cells are very sensitive to small changes in their growth conditions and environment. This means that uh, any changes in the growth media, like uh, addition of growth supplements or any chemical agents, uh, changes in the agitation profile, percentage of uh, dissolved oxygen, pH of the culture, temperature, etc., can cause differentiation of stem cells. So maintaining the characteristics of the undifferentiated stem cells throughout culture or the ability to differentiate into the specific lineage of cells or maintaining the multipotency can be challenging. Second challenge uh, is the potential aggregation of the stem cells. As the supply of nutrients and oxygen to the cells at the center of the aggregate can be limited as the aggregates grow in size. This will also affect the characteristics and functionality of these cells at the center of the aggregate. Uh, just, just as an example, cells in the center could be apoptotic or necrotic. So what are some common methods used and what are their downsides? Uh, most commonly, stem cells are grown in tissue culture flasks or shake flasks and cell factories in incubators. Uh, while this format could work on a small scale in an R&D lab, the sheer size and the amount of the cell culture vessels that would be required to meet uh, the production needs at pilot scale makes this approach quite difficult. Uh, apart from the size of the flasks, labor and time concerns, another concern would be uh, the lack of process monitoring and controls like uh, dissolved oxygen, pH, temperature. Uh, when cells are grown in an incubator, there is no way to constantly monitor and control the process parameters throughout the culture duration. So how could using a bioreactor help in the scale-up of stem cells? Uh, use of bioreactors can uh, help a lot of address a lot of concerns we spoke about earlier. Uh, various sizes of bioreactors, starting from a 100 mil working volume and uh, standardized geometrics across scales, 
provide researchers with a lot of flexibility and ease of scalability. Uh, bioreactor systems provide constant monitoring, uh, constant uh, control of important pa process parameters like dissolved oxygen, pH, temperature, which also help mimic in vivo conditions. Um, Eppendorf's BioBlue uh, single-use vessels are also made using USB class 6 and animal component-free materials, thereby making these vessels suitable for GMP processes. Uh, of course, uh, process parameters need to be optimized individually due to the cell heterogeneity in case of stem cells and uh, also a large number of interactive uh, process parameters like DO, pH, temperature, stirring speed, etc. Interesting. So how can temperature, pH and levels of dissolved oxygen affect the growth of the cells? Uh, so temperature, pH, dissolved oxygen are some of the most important parameters which affect cell growth. While these parameters are important for optimum growth of most cells, they are even more important for stem cell growth. Uh, as we spoke earlier, uh, stem cells are very sensitive to small changes in their growth conditions. Uh, cells require an optimal dissolved oxygen concentration temperature and pH to be able to proliferate just like the cells in human body. Uh, for stem cells specifically, this optimal uh, DO concentration is slightly hypoxic conditions, around 5% uh, oxygen, like those found in the MSC niche. Under normal conditions like those um, just as in an incubator with 100% DO, that would be 21% oxygen, these cells suffer from adverse effects. Uh, that could be DNA damage, poor engraftment, as well as early senescence. Similar adverse effects can also occur under severely hypoxic conditions, which would be around maybe 3% oxygen. As far as um, pH is concerned, the idea is uh, to maintain a physiological pH. Cell growth tends to decline either gradually or rapidly, depending on how acidic or alkaline the media or the cell growth environment is. Uh, temperature could also cause a change in the life cycle stages of cell growth. So choosing the right parameters or the range thereof is an important step in reaching optimal cell density. And how does seeding on aggregate versus microcarriers affect the scaled up cells? Um, adherent stem cells can be grown either as suspension cells in the form of cell-only aggregates or on microcarriers. Uh, now, the size and formation of uh, cell-only aggregates can be influenced by seeding density, uh, stirring speed, and the bioreactor impeller design. Uh, on the other hand, cell attachment to microcarriers can be influenced by reducing the initial culture volume uh, stopping agitation for a few hours post-seeding, as well as coating microcarriers with peptides or proteins like fibronectin to promote cell attachment. Uh, when using microcarriers, one uh, additional step of cell separation from microcarriers is required, uh, whereas in the cells-only aggregate, this downstream step is eliminated, thereby making the setup much simpler. However, microcarrier beads offer a larger surface area for cell growth, which again provides the ease of uh, scalability. So depending on the process and type of uh, stem cells, either can be used for scaling up. 
So for those researchers listening who are thinking about moving from existing methods to a bioreactor-led method, what kind of challenges might they face? Uh, so currently used uh, methods like shake flasks or tissue culture fl- uh, vessels provide a simplistic method to culture cells. So as with any sophisticated system, moving from simple steps like tissue culture vessels to bioreactors can be initially uh, a bit challenging in terms of setup and use. Uh, other challenges would include understanding the changes in cell growth from traditional flasks or 2D two-dimensional growth to a bioreactor system, which provides more process control. Uh, so choosing the right bioreactor system, keeping in mind the cell line, impeller design, agitation profile, etc., could be challenging. Uh, also, once the right system has been obtained, further process optimization of different parameters is also required, which would involve additional challenges. And what resources are available to help researchers overcome these challenges? Uh, At Eppendorf, we have a wide range of application notes and literature available from our applications labs, uh, as well as the expertise and experience to help researchers in selecting the right product for their needs and helping them get started with the right training. Uh, We also offer comprehensive software packages for advanced process controls uh, and information management, uh, basic as well as advanced bioprocess training. Fantastic. And so for my final question, Ankita, what do you think is the future of stem cell scale-up for cell therapies? Uh, Stem cells have uh, an immense regenerative potential. So this combined with the ease of scalability, uh, availability of resources, and simple-to-use bioreactor systems uh, could lead the way to an era of personalized or regenerative medicine. The right tools could uh, enable us to use these stem cells to potentially treat various uh, degenerative diseases or, at the very least, use them as disease models for further study. Great. So unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. But Ankita, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Freya. Thank you for having me. And to learn more about cell therapy development, join the conversation today on regmednet.com, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us.